blues away Forget all your troubles away Hop on your bike anytime you like And pedal your blues away In the past two decades, thousands of miles of trails have been paved in the US in the United States. But many of them look as if they were designed by someone who'd never ridden a bike. Um, someone who'd never ridden a bike. By consulting more with the people who do a lot of the travelling under their own power, transportation planners ought to be able to come up with an imaginative schemes for making roads, paths and sidewalks more useful to them and maybe help cut down a bit of our reliance on the automobile. What a lovely introduction that start is. This is the first time I've buggered that up. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. You're listening to the Yarrabag Radio, Yarrabag Radio Show here at Radical Radio 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. Maybe you're podcasting, or maybe you've got that AWA old transistor in the kitchen, just as you're stoving, stoking the fire and listening to this show. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. I've got to say, I listen to Amy five days a week. I am not too sure how that uh, she keeps going. What a wonderful spirit. We're here with a big show today. We're going to talk about infrastructure. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how do you design it or how do you listen to people who know what they're talking about. And we'll be welcomed along with that. But as our normal start of the day, join us on the tandem of Faith and myself. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. Sidecar or trailer, Jeremy from The Streets Alive, Yarra. Good morning. Good morning. You're a trailer or you're a sidecar? I think I'm a trailer. Not the third wheel. There we go. (laughs) And welcome to everybody. Um, Look, that little quote was from 1993, um, talking about the start of some of the uh, buildings of bicycle infrastructure in the States at that period. And I think you'll find that echoed in a lot of um, discussion from everywhere as far as far as building bicycle infrastructure. I'm getting lost, sorry. <laughs> it is a lovely Monday morning here in the city of Yarra. And I've had a couple of wonderful bike moments in the last couple of days. But I'm not going to hog it this time and I'm going to let Faith go first. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Val. <laughs> Pleasure. Um, well, I guess, uh, yeah, my, my bike moment is being able to ride again after uh, a few weeks of not being able to. So uh, it's, it's the small, insignificant moments that have been um, very special in that it's nice to be back using your bike to get around. Uh, you, uh, I'm just wondering the first time you went to dismount, how did that go? Well, I'm still um, dismounting with my legs in front of the saddle. I can't use my road or gravel bike yet because, yeah. yeah. 
So it's um, and with the mixty, the it's a little bit higher than a step through. So that it's a little bit of a contortion thing, but yeah, it's it's now second nature. I haven't fallen off, tripping myself up. <laughs> Jeremy, oh, my bike moment is uh, riding with my daughter to a new high school. So she's just started at uh, Richmond High School, and we have to learn a new route to between our house and the school. And it's great to see all the kids, these older kids at the high school. As you get closer and closer, more and more of them appearing on the streets as you get there. And even better is picking up. I get there just before all the kids come out and the bike racks are full. It's amazing. It's a, uh, I love that building, actually. It quite blends in. Um, there's a little bit of neo-brutalist about it, but it uh, fits it in the surroundings very well. Well, it's a modern vertical school, not much playgrounds, but I guess they've got Citizens Park just over the road, so it's not the worst and we we have a i mean high school is a time when in australia a lot of children stop riding i think they're big public transport users high school students but um we do have in in a north of melbourne i know for example princess hill and fitzroy high school also have well-used bicycle storage areas and racks um so it's it's a good little area in that respect, and I guess it shows that's how the infrastructure works. People feel safe letting their kids ride to school. Oh, for me, and when I was at high school, cycling was about freedom, as the yep. ability to get around yes. by myself. And I guess everybody's got their blind spots, but I just imagine there's a lot of kids out there at a high school age who who would enjoy that freedom, who do enjoy that freedom, and would like to have that freedom expanded. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, what have I got? A bit of sweet and a bit of sour. I'll, <laughs> I'll go with the sour first, I think. <laughs> Is um, anybody who's accustomed to commuter riding um, uh, around Melbourne, there sometimes can be a little bit of chat between motorists and cyclists. Um, and look, cyclists, um, bike riders, bicyclists... Um, do have a little funny perchance as they're riding along. I remember doing a um, bicycle moment when I was behind somebody who was singing a lovely song, you know, 10 minutes in front of me, and it went on and on and on, and since he became a guest on the show. But anyway, I'm turning into one of the major Vic Roads um, streets in Yarra with the, the lane. Anyway, a commuter, obviously very much in a hurry, but he was giving a running commentary on what the cars were doing in front of him. And I could hear him from about 50 metres away. Not a... Well, he was drawing breath, obviously, but this whole dialogue about what every car was doing. That's not a bike lane, you bloody idiot. That's not... A, it was really quite funny. And head down and this emoting and verbalising everything that the motorist was doing in front of him. I thought, oh... That, it turns the corner a little bit, but it was just, it exemplified, I suppose, in some way, how this interaction, I don't want to dwell on that, I just love this way, this bloke was um, really having a go at everybody around him, there was, you know, if you'd have stepped out on the road as a pedestrian, you'd have got to serve as well. And uh, it's probably something, you know, we know 
plenty of cars that someone's doing the same thing inside the car, but you wouldn't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes when their windows are open, oh, yeah. you can hear them too. <laughs> it's not much worth listening to the conversation. <laughs> as against that and as against um, what happens in the future, uh, two-year-old who's the youngest of three lives across the road, got a very quiet road. This kid is going to become an escape artist. So within three days, got the balance bike down, Pat. I'm installing nappies in the balance bike, going up and down the street in the bare feet, chasing a brother and sister and me <laughs> around the road. It was really lovely to watch, actually. Watching kids learn to ride or even learn to walk as well, of course, is so much fun. We've got a, a young child across the street from us, um, or across the road, so a neighbour, and only just started primary school, going to prep and also taking their first steps on bike riding yeah. on a very gentle hill just around the corner. Hasn't quite got it yet, but well on the way. A couple of falls away that everything will be honky-dory. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be back after this, and we're going to seriously start to talk about Yarra Streets, streets Alive, Yarra. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrose Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show. Our guest today, as Val mentioned earlier, is Jeremy Lawrence from Streets Alive Yarra. And we thought uh, we'd maybe talk a bit about a couple of recent publications from Infrastructure Victoria. One is their draft 30-year infrastructure strategy, which uh, is open for submissions until, I think, the 26th of Feb, or open for feedback. Uh, and the other is a recent paper on transporting Melbourne and the initiatives they recommend to get Melbourne moving post-2020. Welcome to the studio again, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Um, first of all, maybe quickly for our guests, we could talk about Streets Alive Yarra and uh, what you do and who you are. Well, Streets Alive Yarra is a non-profit volunteer community group in the city of Yarra, and so we're... Uh, the common value is that we believe that everyone should be able to move around from property A to property B um, without being exposed to hazards that have the risk of serious injury or death. So safe ability to get around. And we, I mean, it, it started off because there was a little bit of a, um, we came back, oh, I lived in Germany for seven years, had a kid, one-year-old, we came back to Melbourne, thought it was good, like one of the, the better cities in Australia, but nowhere up to the to the German standard and especially not up to the Netherlands standard and, and Denmark as well where we toured around. And we thought, okay, what can we do to make this a bit better? And writing letters as an individual to either state or local government didn't seem to work and the feedback was you need to show that there's broad community support for what you're asking for. And also, where do we get the money to fund this type of infrastructure? So the Streets Alive Yarra group was, was created to 
to answer those questions, to build a, a permanent online record of ordinary mums and dads, you know, soccer mums, people with kids who just want their kids to be able to ride to school safely or to walk to the shops and to put faces and names to that support so that other people could say, oh, look, that's, that's just like my neighbour or that's my friend and that's something I can support as well. And um, there's quite a, a bit of documentation on the site of your responses to different positions. Um, the Infrastructure Victoria 30-year draft strategy was released just before Christmas and uh, you wrote a, a bit of a response to that, which uh, we'll put a link up to with the podcast. Um what was interesting in that infrastructure strategy for people who are hoping to get around safer by bike? Well, there's a few recommendations in the strategy that uh, we support, and that includes such basics as, you know, the state government should publish an integrated transport plan. <laughs> Heaven forbid to, to, to look at how we're going to make a city work when we get to a population of 8 million. And then there's a few other clear recommendations to really improve cycling across Melbourne, improve funding for pedestrian infrastructure and even put in place demand-responsive charges for both driving and parking. And these are all part of the puzzle to make it work. Yep. The um, Melbourne City Council, Victorian, this plan, was wrong point in the one direction. You're much more grassroots activists though and actually by I'm going to say by creating car trace and cyclists around the city of Yarrow that's a better way to tackle it. Oh look I think every stakeholder needs to push in accordance with their values and ethics and I think Infrastructure Victoria has a great role to play so I think of them as a publicly funded or state government funded think tank that allows the the government of the day to float ideas and see how the community is going to react so, but they've still got this sense of plausible deniability. So a really bunch of, of good ideas can be put out there, can be interviewed on the radio, people can put in submissions, and some of them will gain more support than others. And then the government can say, right, I can move forward with that. That's a, it's actually a majority support and be a lot more confident without making this party political and a lot more risk. So, yeah. And the fact of, or, of already having a set of as we've seen with, uh, I think, probably with Melbourne City Council this year to a great effect is when the lockdown started in 2020, they've had shovel-ready plans which they could bring forward. Yeah, Melbourne City Council, of course, is in right in the middle of greater metropolitan Melbourne, so they've got the, you know, the best place, the best population density, the most amount of people travelling in and out of their street, so they had the most need to change and they had the most plans in place. And, of course, they put a lot of time and effort into a really good integrated transport strategy. And then the surrounding councils, of which Yarra is one and Moreland another, they're the next best in the, in the row, so to say. And so Infrastructure Victoria, when they looked at where are the real opportunities in Melbourne, they picked out Stonington and Yarra as the, the best opportunity, the best latent demand uh-huh. And so if you really want to decrease congestion, which benefits everyone, including all, all the drivers, then the best way to do that is to invest in cycling infrastructure from that inner ring of inner city suburbs, particularly Stonington and Yarra. And that takes demand off the streets. Mm. Do, 
I'm just wondering about. I'm just want to ask you, Jeremy, about the setup of uh, Streets Alive Yarra. Do people come to you and say, oh, you know, I'm willing to take on responsibility for gathering ideas or putting forward ideas in this part of my neighbourhood? Well, we are, we're an incorporated association, so we have members, and that elects a, a five-member committee, and then they elect the, the president, the secretary, the treasurer, and that sort of thing. But basically our our offer to, to the grassroots is, is a no-effort type offer. Like if you have got an idea of how to improve your local street, maybe you'd like a tree or a, fix some, a broken footpath or you think there should be a pedestrian crossing so your kids can get to your local school or you think there should be a bike lane here or the parking should be changed so that there's a, a, a disabled parking spot to benefit people with disabilities, then that's just one little idea and you can come to us and we can publish your idea as one page on the website with you as the champion for that idea, so your face and name and a couple of sentences of support can appear at the bottom of the page. And that really only takes 10 minutes of work. You write us an email, send us a photo, we do up the page, you can approve it, and then it gets published. And then you can send that link to council or the state government or to anyone, your friends, to to show your support for it instead of you putting in the effort to write a detailed submission. You just email a link. You've been swamped, I presume. Well, as is with most things in the world, it starts slow and then it builds up. So Streets Live Yarra has been going for three years. Yeah. We've now got you know, over 50 testimonials for support and champions, as you can see, on the supporters page. And more are coming in all the time, like we're adding a new one every month. And I think once we get above you know, 100 or so and people start telling their friends a bit more often, then it'll grow and grow. And um, with the you've got fifty champions and and that that level of the, the personal story and the the local champion um, around the issues. One thing that uh, I noticed the infrastructure Victoria strategy includes uh, is improving walking and cycling data collection. Have you found that a frustration in Yarav when um, wanting to make the case for something or even just researching an issue, the lack of data collection around walking and cycling? Oh, certainly. So I'm an engineer by training. I've got a PhD in engineering from the University of Melbourne. And so it's really at the the core of my psyche is to do evidence-based policy and that needs Uh data. And I think looking at the literature and reports and videos and submissions from advocacy groups all around the world it's the same story there's a lot of data on motor vehicle traffic volumes and flows and so it's easy to build up the evidence base for an increased road or another lane or a better intersection and we're lacking that data for walking and cycling and there are technologies now that really can help councils to collect that data and therefore to execute and implement evidence-based policy and one of the best new types of technologies that i've seen is the vision-based artificial intelligence. Yep. So instead of having the, the rubber tubes across the road um, that, that have a pressure sensor and a, and a, and a yep. data collection box, um, you can put up a little camera on a pole, position, say, at an intersection, and maybe with two cameras in two different directions, you can have the computer automatically identify a car, a truck, a tram, a person cycling, a person walking, a person on a motor scooter or a wheelchair, they can all be individually identified, quantified, their path streams yeah. counted. 
And that's the sort of thing that's um, cheap now because it's just a little bit of electronics and a camera. It, it's the installation costs are much lower. You really have to connect it to a pole with a short cable to, the, yeah. to, to tap into the light that's already at the pole so to get a bit of power. And then you, you pay the monthly rates and you get the data. And if there was a, a structural change that the state government in partnership with councils could do, it would be to roll out such data collection systems across you know, all, the, all the Melbourne councils, mm-hmm. and then that can flow on through to support budget allocations. It's, um, and, of course, you get a gender divide there. And we're just talking about cyclists and pedestrians. There's a whole lot more to that sort of data. I mean, I was really thinking old school, actually, when you talk about the rubber across the road. And there are only, I mean, as I remember, there are only about three or four of those anyway. Nobody's gone into any depth of collecting that information anyway. Well, the city of Melbourne's got a data portal. They've got a few more sensors. Have they? Yeah. 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 And I think they're, you know, I know Moreland are investing in more, but I know also that uh, often the best you can hope for when we're looking for numbers on a particular route is the most recent Super Tuesday count or something, which is uh, not very satisfactory. They're, you know, twice a year a picture during peak hour. It doesn't tell you about the kids getting home on that route from school or... Um, well, it can show you the gender diversity. So yeah, you know, people talk yeah. about why are there more women than men cycling in the Netherlands as compared with, say, so that the gender balance might be 55% there as compared to, say, less than 30% here in, in Melbourne. And there's a strong correlation between the safety of the cycling infrastructure. Yeah. And so one way of just measuring or putting a performance metric in place is just to say, look, do whatever you have to do to get that metric up from thirty percent to fifty percent. Yeah, and yeah. you know, if you, and that's one way to quantify progress and to put yeah. bureaucrats, um, you know, a keep a KPI, a key performance indicator that they have to to meet, and then yeah, and that's another thing that the rubber strips on the road can't do, whereas the Super Tuesday and the visual counts do yeah. do gender splits. I dare hardly say if we tapped everybody's phone, we'd get start of journey, we'd get end of journey, we'd get it all every way on numbers on long journeys, short journeys. I'm not sure we're ready for that yet, but maybe it won't be our choice. Oh, I couldn't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dystopian cycling future. Oh, look, I've, I've watched um, somebody hand over a set of data to one of the American newspapers and they've tracked all those phones from the Capitol building from when they left Arkansas, went there and went home. Really quite fascinating, just with the raw data and then being able to manage to find emails and Facebook pages of the individual people. I don't think it's that dystopian, but we have all this data out there that we just don't collect. Well, I think um, Bicycle Network did have an app that people could use um, and if you look at the number of people, and I know sometimes people refer to the data on Strava, which is skewed, I think, yeah. to um, more sports cyclists, not exclusively, but and longer commutes. It's interesting with the um, infrastructure is one thing that's important for more women riding, but I think also the difference in the Netherlands between here is the emphasis we have on the trip to work. Whereas, you know, 
often in the Netherlands, one of the reasons why the majority of people riding are women is because it's all your local short trips and they are predominantly the carer staying at home. So I find it interesting because I often see in America people say, well, the reasons women can't ride is because they're responsible for the kids, getting them to school, doing the shopping. Mm. But they're the exact reasons that Dutch women are riding because they're getting the kids to school, they're doing the shopping, and these are predominantly local trips. Um, so that's another thing that feeds in with the infrastructure as well. Yeah, and I mean, when we talk about infrastructure, we're talking about a long-term change, like over 10 years, and that mm. leads into to demographic and, and societal change as well. And to me, that there's nothing stopping equality of, of work practices and flexi time and, and equal yep. time spent on carrying the kids so it doesn't have to be a, a no. man and woman split. And when I lived in Germany and you know, also two or three the Netherlands, you could follow the local news and there was a lot more progress in the, the next generation coming through in European cities of being a lot more equal and caring for their kids. So they brought in a new time away from work law in Germany. No. And my boss was commenting, well, it doesn't make any difference now whether I hire women or men. They each take time off to yeah. look after their yeah. kids. So it's now completely neutral from the employer's perspective, which I found interesting. And my personal experience, of course, is, you know, we, we share the time equally and we have to do pickups and drop-offs and then I go to the supermarket on the way home with the pickup and do the cooking as well half the week. So it can be quite easily 50% over the next 10 or 20 years. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, definitely. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Jeremy. Um, if you're interested in Streets Alive, Yarra, get hold of the webpage, sign up put up some sort of, put up a suggestion. It's a good way to get empowered, actually, from a real grassroots level. And we'll link to the website from the podcast. But if people want to find it, it's at... So it's Streets Alive Yarra. Just search on Google. There's hyphensbetween.org. There's also the YouTube channel on Facebook. And you can subscribe to a newsletter. All the modern things. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we have time for this week. Don't forget that it's actually subscriber week, and if you're a subscriber and you haven't paid your dues yet, put that shorthand in that long pocket and make sure 3CR stays here. All our presenters and volunteers are volunteers at 3CR, and we keep the radio show going. And up next is... Shebop. listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.